Training camp time here in the NFL. Kevin Bowen back. Cheeks here. Didn't want to wake up with us last time, but he's up. Chris Presley, per <laughs> usual, he's always on it, folks. Uh, we're in studio, Kevin's Corner, late Monday afternoon edition. Not something we usually do, but um, I'll explain, I guess, when I get into the training camp schedule, why we are recording right now. Um, today's pod will hit on position battles. Mm-hmm. A very topical conversation the last week of July around NFL training camps, even with the unusual nature that this is. And we have some Twitter questions left over. So, yeah, that'll be the focus today. But you have a good weekend, man? I did. Spend it with the family. Uh, tomorrow's my birthday, the big 3-0. So I had a little God, little family that. birthday party because I share it with my nephew. So it was more, it was more of a 3-year-old birthday party than a 30-year-old birthday party. But, yeah, it was fun. Yourself? What what goes on at, at that sort of birthday party? Like um, a lot of tractors and trucks and nerf nerf battles with the other nieces and nephews and pizza and cake. So uh, that sounds like the life, honestly, for me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, well, happy early birthday to you. Appreciate and it, and I'm sure you're glad you won't have to waste you know two hours of your day in the studio um, with a podcast. So um, yeah, tomorrow's report day. Mm-hmm. For the Colts, Veterans Report, Jacob Eason and company already in town. Michael Pittman, Jonathan Taylor, those guys reported last week. The Colts tried to get their rookies to come in town a little bit earlier to try to get ahead of this. Um, and I guess before we get into – we're going to get into kind of what training camp's going to look like, where we're at from a COVID ramification standpoint. I know it's not something I like to hit on a lot, but I think we just need to all have a general understanding of what this season could look like. And then we'll get into, like I said, the position battles and uh, Twitter questions. I guess I'll start here, Chris. Uh, I don't know if this is a warning shot, but I think people just kind of get alarmed. And I'm not talking like Miami Marlins stuff alarm, but be prepared for many, um, some NFL players to test positive for COVID in the next few days. Mm-hmm. Like these are 90-man rosters that have been in some hot spots around the United States, all coming back to their respective NFL teams. Some of them maybe have never gotten tested, maybe whatever, haven't gotten tested in the last couple weeks, whatever. Um, I have a feeling there might have been a going-away party or two for some of these players, like there typically uh, are. So, again, expect that. Like, don't be shocked by it. Now, am I expecting 20 per team? No. Would 5 or 10 per team shock me? Not at all. Yeah. So that's just par for the course, I think. Like, we've seen it with Major League Baseball. Well, unfortunately, we're still seeing it. We saw it with the NBA, you know, back when those guys first got back to their respective cities. Um, But, again, I I think it's just something that we should expect right now. So the schedule for what training camp will look like. Again, tomorrow is usually report day, and then their first practice would typically be Wednesday. What that looks like right now is they will COVID test tomorrow. They will COVID test Wednesday. No testing Thursday. Test again on Friday. And I believe I have this right. They won't be in the facility at all during those four days. They'll literally show up, get swabbed up, and that's it. They'll go home, do virtual stuff. Then they'll have physicals on um, Saturday and Sunday and it looks like Monday would kind of be their first full day. A week from today, August yep. 3rd, 
would be their first full day in the building um, doing some work together. It's going to be very interesting, but yeah. like everything else, you know. And it's like, basically, it's like spring and training camp. If they had a baby, this would be it. Yep. You're going to have a week-long strength conditioning starting August 3rd. That's kind of like phase one of your off-season program in the spring. And then August 12th through the 16th, you'll have the little ramp-up period, which I interpret that as like, think of individual stuff on the field, some 7-on-7, even 11-on-11 without full pads on. And then August 17th is your first full padded practice. So typically August 17th, you've played at least one preseason game. Mm -hmm. You're getting ready for a second. And that'll be the first day of even full padded practices. Um, Final cuts will be September 5th. So a little bit later than normal on that. Um, 80-man roster. The Colts, as of this recording, have not made any roster moves with that. We've seen some teams cut down from 90 to 80. If you do 80... You've got to split up your practices. Excuse me. If you do 90, you have to split up your practices right now. Okay. So when you do strength conditioning, when you get on the field in early August, you can't be all out there together. If you go down to 80, you can be all out there together. You know, you've got to cut to 80 by August 16th. You'll have zero full pattern practices between now and August 16th. If your guy 88 on the roster... Yeah, mm-hmm. well, I don't. What are you gonna do? You lift weights really well. You 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 know you did some nice seven on seven stuff maybe, but it's gonna be difficult to make kind of that that leap to get all the way up there. So um, those are some stuff that kind of stood out to me from labor aspect actions. Um, anything stand out to you? No, the thing that I was going to ask, and I know we're going to get into it with the position battles, but when you give that breakdown of how the, the practices are going to happen, do you think it takes until the 17th until we start seeing those battles happen? Like, can we see any yeah. any battles prior to that, or will it actually take the guys suiting up to, to see that? No, that is a good question. I, I think it'll take until then. I, I just, You know, maybe a little bit, but... You know, ultimately, this game is played in full pads, right. and and to have true separation, I think you've got to see that unfold. Multiple full padded practices, and you know something. I'll ask Frank Reich and Chris Ballard. We maybe we'll talk with Chris Ballard later this week. I'm not expecting it before Friday. If we do, um, you know, do you do more scrimmages within your team? You know, that usually doesn't happen. You mm-hmm. don't see very. You don't see multiple sessions of tackling in a training camp. You just don't. Yeah. I against mean, your own team. Right. You're hurting yourself. Right. Potentially. And, and I think that's how a lot of teams view it. And they're like, we're going to go tackle in preseason games. We're going to go tackle maybe in a joint practice. I think you'll see more of that. I mean, don't you have to? Like, yeah. how do you officially evaluate stuff? Maybe you don't. Maybe it's just going to be the offseason where we're not going to do it. We'll evaluate off of wrapping up and not going to the ground and sorry about you. And we think we can make a somewhat, you know, meaningful, observant, you know, analysis on what your roster looks like. But, um, yeah, that'll be weird, man. So, yeah, I'll be interested to see what all steps different teams take for the social distancing and stuff like that and what the NFL might I mean, the NFL doesn't have too much time. Like you said, we report tomorrow, but 
seeing how baseball is going right now, do they start to implement certain things that they've not thought of yet? I don't know. Yeah, and I think a couple other things that I wanted to hit on is if, and I believe I have this right, if players are testing positive for COVID, they'll go on an exempt list. So okay. I, I think we've had that debate before of like, do you treat it like it's just a sprained ankle and you're still on your 53-man roster for two weeks? You'll be on a special list. And if you bring up a guy from the practice squad, which is going to be bigger, 16 guys on a practice squad this year, which is smart. Yep. You don't have to then waive that guy, expose him to waivers, could be claimed by every team in the NFL like you would normally do. That guy can go right back to your practice squad. I believe I have that right. Okay. So I think that's smart. The NFL is, look, you can be a, a parity-driven league and try to be 32 teams on some level playing ground. Still trying to achieve that and also just uh, let's not be just crazy stickler. You're a Harvard presser, uh, Harvard professor about how the NFL operates. Like, you can make some tweaks and have some flexibility here in 2020. So um, I think that's key. You know, the NFL, it sounds like they've salvaged a bit of the cap hit for 2021. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing uh, nothing this year. And then about a $20 million decrease for next year. So certainly that'll impact the Colts a little bit. Um no injured reserve to return spots. I know that's something that people like to look at. Usually it's kind of two spots that you have, guys that go on IR but can come back. If guys go on IR this year, they can come back. So that that's part of uh, the new rule changes for this season. So Love to see that. Yeah. Um, again, just trying to give everybody a little basis of what the rule stipulations are for this year. Uh, fluid is the word of the year for 2020. Things will continue to be fluid, but don't expect, I guess what I'm saying is don't expect Kevin Bowen training camp reports for a little bit of time. I think we'll still be in a, a bit of a waiting period mm-hmm. for that. And um, we should have some media availabilities though with Chris Bowen and Frank Reich. So a little bit of news items there, but I'm not expecting any sort of observant analysis from training camp uh, for at least a week or so. Gotcha. Probably longer. Probably like mid-August, honestly. Makes sense. Makes total sense to me. Um, position battles, we talked about it. We teased it. We talked about April, uh, August 17th probably being the day we start to see that. The one a lot of people are going to have their eye on is the backfield. Marlon Mack, Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, and I guess before we get into them, Chris, I don't expect a whole lot of position battles. I don't. And I would say that even if this offseason wasn't weird. Like, the Colts don't have a lot of open starting jobs, to be honest. Okay, we're going to debate running back one. The starter's probably entrenched, but, you know, how does it unfold over the season? Like, you know, Phillip Rivers is quarterback one. Mm -hmm. You know, Michael Pittman's probably going to be a wide out that maybe he's a two. Maybe he's going to play a lot. DeForest Buckner is obviously here to, you know, stay. Trey Burton is certainly going to be a tight end that'll play a lot. Xavier Rhodes we'll get into on this list. But I guess what I'm getting at is, Last year, you brought back 20 of 21 starters or 21 of 22, something like that. This year, I think you bring back about 17 of 22, 18 of 22. I mean, you bring back a good amount. Yeah. Um, I think Marlon Mack will be the starter, and I think Frank Reich has hinted at that. The question I have is just how does that unfold over a 16-game season, and how much does Jonathan Taylor eat into that? You know, something that – I just got done hosting for uh, for Dan earlier today on our airwaves. And I think the Colts are in a unique place here, Chris, where I've mentioned it before. Rookies are hurt by this offseason. Undrafted free agents are severely hurt. Without a doubt. 
I think the Colts are a bit of an outlier, though, in comparing them to the other 31 teams with rookies. Hear me out. Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor. They could have been rookies in 1971, 1991, 2001. They'd still be asked to do a whole lot for you from day one. And they will be this season. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we should all of a sudden lower our bar of expectations for him. Like Michael Pittman played with a whole lot of quarterbacks, different offensive coordinators. He's the son of a 10-year vet. He's pretty ready to make an impact day one in the NFL. Jonathan Taylor played in the best pro-style offense you could ask for for a running back. Very mature, high character. He should be ready to go. There shouldn't be a big acclimation period for Pittman and Taylor. Sure, natural rookie stuff, yeah. But you play Jacksonville September 13th, you got to trust them. Mm-hmm. And then you, if you look at the other rookies, I'm kind of like, well, Jacob Eason, I mean, unless COVID is crazy, and I saw Pete Carroll mention he's going to put his quarterbacks in different meeting rooms. That's interesting. Um, that's, that's Pete Carroll. Yeah, that's <laughs> Pete Carroll, and I, I, we laugh about it. I laugh about it now. Maybe it will be. Uh, you look at the Miami Marlins, maybe Pete Carroll is smarter yeah. than us, but who knows. Um, you know, Danny Pintner, uh, no, I'm not expecting him to, like, play. Unless an injury occurs, of course. But what I'm getting at is, like, Julian Blackman, ACL, no one is pl- competing, I think, for an open starting job besides Pittman and potentially Taylor. So I think it's Marlon Mack early on. But a 15-11 carry split, a 14-10 carry split, that makes sense for me early. But I'm a big believer in Jonathan Taylor is knocking on that door. And I just think he gives you a different element to your offense. And Marlon Mack gives you a very nice element to your offense, which you want to tap into, and that's probably your most consistent aspect. But to raise the ceiling on this season, I think Jonathan Taylor could potentially eat into that as the season goes along. Next on the list are two names that have been brought up multiple times during the podcast here this offseason, and that's Anthony Walker and Bobby Okariki. Yeah, Chris, I'll go back to something I mentioned in, in February. Remember when Jim Irsay had that very impromptu um, combine interview session? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was on a Sunday afternoon at West 56. I'm like, are all the luck coming out of retirement? I'm like, what the hell is going on right now, Jim? And instead, he just wanted to complain about no primetime TV, which they ended up not, that didn't work out. And then he wanted to talk about how the combine should stay in Indy forever. So uh, kudos to Jim, great effort, but unfortunately, half the results we haven't seen yet. But anyways, during that press conference, he talked about, like he always does, how he's more excited for this season than he's ever been. And he loves to mention the young players. Nelson and Leonard should be, or you would expect them to be the first two names out of his mouth. They weren't. Bobby Okariki was the first name out of his mouth. That's Chris Ballard relaying to Jim what we think of this kid. Mm-hmm. That is high-ranking people in the Colts organization relaying to the owner what they think of Bobby Okariki. I like Anthony Walker a lot. Our listeners know that. I think, again, he is a better, more healthy version healthier version I should say um I hope Rosie doesn't get some of my grammar um of Clayton Gathers having said that if you think this dude is a pro bowler which they have said 
you got to play him. Yeah. Like, you can't just let him, oh, yeah, we're going to we'll, we'll worry about that guy next year when he's on the third year of his four-year rookie deal. So, I don't know exactly how it looks. I don't know if it's Walker on rundowns, Okariki on pass downs, you know, Okariki in the nickel, Walker off the field on, on in the nickel. I don't know. But if you take the Colts at their word, Bobby Okariki's going to play more than he did last year. Um, having said that, Anthony Walker played, I think, every game but one, maybe every game last year, and he led the team in tackles. So you don't want to, like, overlook that either. So I don't have a great answer for how it's going to look. I think Walker still starts, but is it like, you know, Joseph Adai you know, not starting any game as a rookie season but rushing for 1,000 yards? Mm-hmm. You know, like Dominic Rose, I think, was the starter every game, and that was just seemingly veteran starts. So I don't know. Um, but Bobby Okereke, to me, is going to play and going to play a decent amount. The guys that are in front of him, the defensive ends, who, you know, you're saying Walker starts and on the linebacker, who starts for defensive end this year? So I think Danico Autry will start, and then Kamoko Turi will be. I am a firm believer this will be a combination. This is not one player taking Jabal Sheard's role. Um, I know Brian Baker, the new D line coach, said back in um, back in June or May, whenever we talked to him, that he thought two open starting jobs were there on the D line. I would disagree with him, which is funny because like he's the defensive line coach, <laughs> so he could tell me to f off, which is totally <laughs> fine, and and he probably should. But um, I think DeForest Buckner and Justin Houston are the obvious ones he was referring to as mm-hmm. starters. I, I still think Grover Stewart starts at the other defensive tackle spot. He's 330, played good football for you. Have him out there on rundowns. I get it. He's not playing all three downs, but I think he should he should be out there. The other defensive end is the job that I think is really up for grabs, which is the one we're talking about here. I like combination. You know, if I'm going to make a pie chart, Chris, of what this looks like, I say 40% chance Autry wins the job, 25% al Muhammad wins the job. And again, this is the starter in the game book. Right. 15% Taekwon Lewis. And the rest goes to Kamoko Turi. On rundowns, when you go to pass downs, that pie chart should say 98% Kamoko Turi. And then Autry can slide back inside. Lewis could slide back inside. Stewart can come off the field. Banigou can come on the field. Whatever. Um. Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. Autry Ture type of combination. Don't want to lose sight of Alcadine Muhammad though. For so long that there's it's no secret. Colts fans, we knew the offensive side of the ball. What we had, it was the defense that you were kind of spec, uh, skeptical of. I have not been this excited to see the Colts defense in a very long time. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Really good point, especially the front seven. I think people are really intrigued by. Um, yeah, I I looked up the other day. The last time the Colts have had an all pro defensive tackle, they weren't even in Indianapolis. I mean, it's just like yeah. Buckner makes an outside of Freeney and Mathis, you know, an all pro defensive lineman. Now Freeney and Mathis are, you know, Hall of Fame caliber guys, but yeah, there is um there is an amount of intrigue with that unit that I think is it's so needed. It's so it's time. You know, we talked about it's kind of time for the team in general. It's time for that defense to take the jump. You feel like the personnel is in place. They talk about the hot spots of their defense. Nickel, 
and Will Linebacker and Three Technique, Will Buckner and Leonard and more. Okay, let's go. You know, insert your let's go gifts right here, (laughs) folks. The time is now. Let's talk about the Pro Bowler versus the second-year player. Rocky Seen and Xavier Rhodes, what do you see there? Yeah, I, I see a very fun NFL battle, Chris. You know, you've got the young draft pick that showed a little something as a rookie, and then you've got the guy you've signed because another team who took him first in the first round said, okay, you've done enough. We don't want to pay you what you're getting paid anymore. And now it's Xavier Rhodes at the age of 30. You know, some somebody slapped him in the face. And, and, and what does that look like for him? Um, now, now, people might misread this initially. I'm talking about the base defense here. Kenny Moore, Xavier Rhodes, and Rocky Yassin, that's probably your nickel group at corner when you have the three nickels on the field. Let's talk base defense. Kenny Moore's not coming off the field for me. Nope. I don't care that he's 5'9". He's too valuable. So who's your other outside corner? Is it Yassin, the guy that's played the most snaps of anybody on your football team last year on the defensive side of the ball? Or is it Xavier Rhodes who has started every single game since 2014. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's somebody's going to get a wake-up call. Somebody's going to get a, man, okay, I got it. I guess I got to wait till the nickel group comes on the field. I probably lean towards Rock here, but, you know, Xavier's got a pedigree that you don't just want to slam the door shut on either. So um, that'll be, I think, a fun battle that maybe we haven't talked about enough that we should give a little bit more attention to. I'm hoping with the schedule, you know, knowing that Rhodes is going to be going up against a lot of receivers that he's seen in the past helps us. But to that point, he's fallen off, and some of those quarterbacks know how to attack him as well. So For sure. And, you know, age. You know, age at corner and age at running back. I mean, those numbers, they can get up there. And, and I think that's what you worry about is health has been pretty good for him. Health has been pretty good. But it's – are you playing every Sunday? But the freak athlete we saw coming out of Florida State and what Matt Eberflus fell in love with at the Pro Bowl a handful of years ago is that there. Have you lost a step? Right. Point blank. And when you lose a step at corner, that's like losing 10 steps walking down the sidewalk. I mean, it's, boy, you get exposed real quick, and it's not like the awkward of like, okay, can I get around this person at the next stoplight? Like, you know, it's one of those. Let's switch over to the offensive side of the ball again. And talk about the wide receiver wide receiver depth chart. Yeah, you know, to me, Chris, this is not so much of a starting battle. This is more of depth chart. Of, I mean, you know, T.Y. Hilton's your one. Yep. You know, Pittman and Campbell and Pascal are your two, three, four. But a lot of people like to talk about who's your five, who's your six. Um, so yeah, I think it's four guys for two spots. And I look at Marcus Johnson. I look at Reese Fountain. I look at Ashton Doolin, and I look at uh, Desmond Patman. And I get the, those four for two. And I look at the whole, um, what I talked about last week of the guys that will make your 53-man roster this year, I think will have a, we trust those guys. We believe in them. They've shown us they can produce in an NFL game. Honestly, preseason or regular season. Obviously, ideally, you'd have regular season. But even in the preseason. And that's what worries me about Reese Fountain. A lot of intrigue. A lot of intrigue. 
I think I have this right, Chris. He's played seven NFL snaps, I believe. Six of those seven, he's the last man on a kneel down. You know, the guy that lines up, whatever, 10, 15 yards behind the quarterback. And then the other one is he drops the touchdown against Kansas City. Not ideal NFL film. You know, I don't know if you're inviting the girl over and saying, hey, have you seen me? You know, (laughs) this is me right here. I don't know if you're doing that. You might hope that the college film is still good. Mm -hmm. Um, And just maybe a nice jersey pick would probably be the route I would go there. But, you know, in all seriousness, Marcus Johnson gave you 100 yards last year against Tampa Bay. It's, It's those types of questions that I think will be interesting for NFL teams to answer. Do we trust this guy, even though he hasn't shown it in a game? Mm-hmm. And it sounds like the practice squad will be no. Re- I think like six of your sixteen players on your practice squad. It doesn't matter how many years they play in the NFL, which is a nice bonus mm-hmm. that you have this year. Um, so that'll be something to watch for sure. Rounding out the position battles this year, we want to talk special teams. A little kicker battle. How about it? Colts got a kicker battle. Colts got a kicker battle here in 2020. Um, Did you see Blankenship? It's a rec specs. Uh, Did you see his uh, picture that he had over the weekend? No. Huh. What do you have it on? Twitter? Um, I think Twitter. Maybe Instagram as well. Um, Pull it up. Look that up and let the the people know who who he took a picture with. Um, Ah, the goat. Yeah. Vinny. Yeah. So and Butler. Yeah, it looks like the Butler Bowl there. Mm-hmm. So Blankenship, Vinatieri. That's awkward. I don't know if it's awkward. Clearly not. Um, I think this is the only real head-to-head battle. Non-Anthony Walker, Bobby Okereke mm-hmm. division. I guess Rocky Scene, Xavier Rhodes a battle. But, like, this is a true battle. This is, like... Literally. I mean, two dudes that are just going to kick and kick and kick, and we'll see who becomes the week one kicker. My question for you is this, Chris. No preseason games. Rodrigo Blankenship has kicked in national titles, SEC championships, an SEC kicker, and I mean this in all seriousness, it might be the most pressure-packed college job of any football player. Oh, yeah. Saturdays down south, 100,000 people every game. Oh, my regardless. God. I mean, even at Kentucky, you'll go to a Kentucky game, which they've come up a little bit, but you're still getting 75,000 in the stadium. Dude, and you miss a kick, and they're poisoning more than a tree. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're not messing around. Like So what I'm getting at is Blankenship has kicked in some very meaningful atmospheres. Having said that, um, it's different kicking the NFL, man. It's different. And he's going to have no preseason games either. So, like, does that – I mean, Chase McLaughlin didn't miss an extra point last year. I think he was, like, 18 of 23, I want to say, on field goals. Not bad. Mm -hmm. Not, not, Not great, great, but not horrific by any means. He made 9 to 10 when he was with you. So, that, I think, is a question of can you just purely chart kicks and at the end of camp you say, all right, Blankenship was 87% and McLaughlin was 83 and Blankenship wins. Right. How much McLaugh- How much does Chase McLaughlin get 
for doing in the NFL last year at an acceptable level? That's the question that 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 I have there. So, um, yeah, kicker, man. I can't wait though. These are battles. These are these are legit battles, and um, there will be a time in a couple weeks where we will get into all of them and we will actually have some movement on the depth chart. And I can't bleepin' wait. I'm so excited. I really hope it works. Major League Baseball's got me worried, man. Me too. It seems like the bubble, the bubble sports are the ones that are lasting right now. But before we get into Twitter questions, and this is me, and this is you know I've talked a lot today, and so this is just me, just spur of the moment, something pop into my head. I think the NFL's got a better chance in Major League Baseball than this. I think the NFL, this is a great learning experience right here. Major League Baseball has not really had a great handle on testing, even back when they did the restart of spring training. You know, it'd be like, well, we've kind of tested some guys. It's taken a while for these tests to get back. Like, yep. if you're going to play team sports and you're not going to have a bubble, you better damn have rapid testing ASAP. And we don't need to get into debate of this is the best thing for the public right now and all that. I'm not trying to get into any sort of debate about that. If you're going to do team sports and you aren't going to have a bubble, this has got to be on par. You've got to be testing guys. You've got to get results quick because you can't have Miami Marlins stuff. No. If you've got, you know, 15 of, of 53 testing positive, now we're getting into – some issues. You can't play doubleheaders in the NFL. No. You can play doubleheaders in Major League Baseball. So that's my mini little rant to slide in there. But man, I I hope it works. I was I, I love team sports. It was so nice this weekend watching basketball and ba- Sunday night baseball, some WNBA. Like I've not watched. I've honestly not sat down and watched a full Sports Center since about March. Yeah. So sitting down on Saturday morning and watching Sports Center. I was like, this is different. Much to my wife's sh- chagrin, I watched two full baseball games Saturday and Sunday. I mean, glory. Yeah. And I got Cheeks tweeting at me about the Pacers lineup. I mean, like, you're debating legit sporting event things. Mm-hmm. Now I want to do the same thing about the NFL. Please. I don't know who I'm saying please to, but please. <laughs> please. All right, let's jump into some Twitter questions. Like you said, we have a couple left over from last week. Not as many as typical, but and we'll some, get back some good ones. Full throttle next pod. Oh yeah. Um, like I said, maybe I, I don't know. I haven't talked to you about this, Chris. I don't think we'll do one Friday. I don't know what your schedule's looking like. Probably not. We'll probably stick to early next week. But um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens this week with the Colts and uh, Chris Ballard media availability. All right, we're going to kick off with an in-depth one from JJ. Colts strategy can be formulated based on these assumptions. A, the Colts have average or close to average talent. Many outsiders don't view many Colts as elite. B, many locals think the Colts are loaded with talent and few rookies will crack the starting lineup. Belief in A or B affects the approach. Which Colt, Which do you think the Colts believe and which do you believe? Well, I, I think the Colts probably think B. Um, I think they've got solid talent. I think they've got good depth, but as I've said before, I need to see kind of the upper echelon talent. Like DeForest Buckner, you got to be an all pro without Nick Bosa and without Eric Armstead next to you. Like that's, that's a big deal. Um, 
but I also would agree with B in the sense of I don't expect many rookies to crack the lineup. I don't. Like, I am steadfast in saying, tell me where the rookies are going to play besides Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor. You know, Julian Blackman, okay, we'll see when he gets back off off the whatever list he's on right now. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's a legit question of what his playing time will look like, but Outside of Taylor and Pittman, I just don't think rookies are going to play a lot. Depth has gotten better. Are you elite enough to do something in January? That's that's a fair question, JJ. This one's from Paul. Paul's biggest fear is that in a year without OTAs and team conditioning work, we're going to see a lot more than usual of serious football injuries in training camp. What's the return to fo- to real football in training camp after months of no football look like? Yeah, Paul, I think you're I think you're spot on there. Um, you know, it kind of gets into what I said earlier about you're not putting on full pads till mid-August. I mean, that's unheard of in the NFL. Unheard of. Mm-hmm. And I know we've touched on this on prior podcasts, Chris, but you know, we can go play pickup 5 on 5 at LA Fitness. NBA guys could do that if they wanted to. Yes, some some restrictions on it, but you can still mimic that in practice. You never Philip Rivers will not throw one pass outside of a red jersey until September 13th. Joe Burrow won't do that either. And I know some people will be like, well, Rivers didn't play in the preseason last year. Yes, that's true. Rivers has typically played in the preseason and actually played a decent amount. And I don't know, Philip, but I would guess he'd like to play a little bit. Or at least he strikes me as a guy that's like, yeah, I'm good with taking the red jersey off and just getting in some sort of real live period. Um, look, every guy's fighting to make the team and, but you know, Ryan Kelly and Grover Stewart at the end of the day, they still are wearing the same color jerseys and they're not, you know, pissed off at each other after 15 snaps and being like mother bleeper, get the, and it lead to some intense Mm -hmm. post snap extracurricular. So those are kind of all aspects of it, of do we see some awkward, sluggish moments early in the season. Do we see that? Yeah. I think it's a fair question. It is. Before we get into Max's question, he wanted to just share a little a little funny story first. Uh, All right. So him and his dad laughed during the draft because when they took Jonathan Taylor, obviously his name is Mac, his sister's name is Taylor, so now it's an all-time coincidence. Oh, I got that. That is, that is pretty good. Yeah. I actually like I mean... Mac Taylor sounds like a really if you combine those names, that's a hell of a name. Yes. You talk about a good fullback for Navy. Oh yeah, Mac Taylor. <laughs> I love it. Uh, but his question is: Do you fear the Jaguars grabbing Trevor Lawrence next year and us falling far behind the eight ball and having a top ten quarterback for the next three to five seasons? Well, I mean that's a bit doom and gloom, Mac. Um, part of me thinks the Jaguars will screw it up somehow. They'll they'll, they'll screw it up. Well, I think they should have the number one overall pick. I mean, I don't know. Hell, Jacksonville typically beats the Colts like once a season. I don't know. Could they factor into winning a couple of games? I don't know. Jacksonville's weird. They are weird. But I think there is something you said for like, okay, Houston has their guy. Jacksonville has their guy. Tennessee, you know, it's not the same sort of thing, but like they kind of have their guy. And the Colts are now where those other teams used to be in the AFC South. The Colts used to always have their guy. So I, I do think there's something to be said for that. But um 
I'm not like there are still a couple of hurdles to clear, I think, before Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence, ideal marriage, ten win season, falling out of bed sort of thing. Quickly to that point, before we came on the pod, uh speaking of Tennessee, did you see they're potentially close to a deal with Clowney? Really? No, I, I have not seen I mean I was hosting today, so I haven't been perusing as much as usual. Um I didn't dive into it or see who tweeted it because I was uh, finishing up a, a work project, but I saw that they're potentially coming close to terms. Really? What uh well, I mean, that would be big news. Um, they seem to be a team that was always kind of one of them in the mix. You know, Seattle even going back there, but I feel like Tennessee was one of the more popular teams, and John Robinson and Mike Vrabel have both commented on it publicly. Um, that would be interesting for sure. Let's jump back into it with the question from Steven. Robert Windsor has the uh, braggadacious of a much higher draft pick, very brash. But can this kid actually be something? Have you seen much tape on him? Yeah, I mean, I've certainly watched watched tape on, on Rob, and, and what you see is a really quick first step for a man his size. And you see the number one trait that Matt Eberflus probably wants for his defensive lineman and anybody that plays defense for him. And that and that's not like cliche stuff. Like that is legit why he was on the Colts board where he was. You know, I'm curious about his size, Chris. He's not like Grover Stewart big. Mm-hmm. He's 290. So can he be the backup behind Grover? Is that Sheldon Day? I don't know if he's like your ideal three technique. I know a lot of people have said, like, let's debate him or um, Tyquan Lewis for the first spot or for that final spot, I should say, on the in the defensive line group. Um, doing the Zoom call with him, I thought he was going to jump through the screen at me. I mean, he's he comes off as I'm going to kick your ass yeah. sort of guy, which you obviously like in a defensive lineman. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't expect anything more than a rotational guy as a rookie. If he makes the team, I think there is debate on that. Phone one from Joseph this week. Which two Colts would make the best tag team in the WWE, and which Colt would be the best pound-for-pound fighter in the UFC? Loves the podcast. Go Colts. Go Dogs. Oh, boy. Go Dogs. Go Dogs. Um, Joseph, are we thinking Bulldog? Georgia Bulldog? Butler Bulldog? What are we thinking there? I know we've had a Georgia question before. Maybe it's him. Yeah. Okay, two Colts would be the best tag team in WWE, and which Colt would be the best pound-for-pound fighter in the UFC? Great questions. WWE, Chris, I'm not a diehard. I don't no, know if you are. No, it was one of those growing up. I think most young young guys have that stage of their life. Like yeah. I watched it when I was younger. Big, thick bodies, right? Isn't that kind of like you don't have many small WWE wrestlers, I do think you? it depends. Like, Rey Mysterio was really small and, like, would sling through the, the ropes, so he was one of my favorites growing up. Okay, all right, that's fair. And with a tag team, you can kind of have two different sizes. Like, they kind of feed off of each other, so they don't always have to be yeah, the same the big size. Burly. Okay, yeah, big Okay, that's fair. Uh, I mean, this is the cop-out. I just think Nelson and Leonard, I think their personalities are actually pretty, like, WWE-ish. Mm-hmm. Like, you could, you could make something out of that. Um, is Charlie Arnold still on the WWE? Do you know who that is? A local reporter from here, right? And then did it change her last was name? Was Charlie Arnold her, her name here, or she, when she got to the WWE? Her, it was her name here. She went to North Central. She changed it to something. I um, don't know. What's the What's the um, you know who would know? Darius Leonard. Darius Leonard is a big wrestling yeah, fan. Cheeks. What's the Lakers guard? The white dude. 
Caruso. That's her last name. Okay, That's her okay. stage name. Gotcha. Um. Yeah. So, uh, oh boy, we're really offbeat. Okay, pound for pound <laughs> fighter in the UFC. It was WWE starting the yeah, UFC. Yeah, now we're on to UFC. Pound for pound fighter. I, th- I think Rocky seen. I mean, two-time wrestling state champ in Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, because obviously UFC is all different weight classes. Um, I mean, Kenny Moore would probably scrap well. But that's it. I mean, I think you need like a very fit. I don't know about you, but I feel like in in high school, like our best wrestlers were like linebackers or white or uh, safeties on the football team, like mm-hmm. that kind of body type transition. So oh, yeah, yeah, I'll go with Rock. From John, what is the bigger future defensive end, defensive need, cornerback or defensive end? He is guessing he's a little. I'm guess I guess I'm asking if you believe more in Yasin or Ture Banagu to be elite. Yeah, we might now that I look at this, we might have asked this last week too, but whatever, John. Um I I stand by pass rusher just because I keep on coming back to Chris. In this defense, the front means everything. If you're gonna play as much zone as you do, if you aren't getting home in a quick manner, quarterbacks are too good, offenses are too good, they're gonna tear apart those zones. That that's my belief. Um, now, if you're going to go player, I think Yassine is a little bit more of a steady-ish guy, which I know some people might disagree with. I think Turi can be a little bit more volatile. Now, Turi, it's a health question, mm-hmm. maintain weight question, right? but he's got the biggest biggest potential maybe of anybody on defense, which is crazy to say, but I think there is some validity to that statement. Um, so, yeah, John, actually, I think we asked that last week. Sorry about that. Whatever. Colts Mexico, how is the NFL going to deal with the coaches and the coaches and COVID? He just cannot get his head around a seventy plus year old coach and a millionaire also getting in planes and locker rooms with a bunch of twenty year old millionaire athletes. There's just no way. Yeah, I mean Colts Mexico, this is a very fair question and something that we have not really talked about. I know Bruce Arians has been you know, speaking out a little bit about a cancer survivor and and that. Um couple things come to mind. You don't see NFL coaches going into locker rooms very often. After games, yes. But during the week, no. Like, they're kind of just in their meeting room. Mm -hmm. And now the question is, are NFL meeting rooms virtual? When you walk into that meeting room, do you immediately go to the third row of the meeting room so you're never within, you know, six feet of that coach? I think those are very real questions. On the practice field, is a coach wearing a mask? You know, that's fair. Um, I saw an interview because I'm a dad now, I know, I know, what's the nightly news. Um, Calabro, Dave Calabro was at uh, Mount Vernon, the old Ben Davis coach is over there, Kirchner, and he's talking about how he's not as hands-on with the high school players as he used to be. Are you not as hands-on? In, in the NFL, I don't, I mean, some coaches are a little bit more hands-on than others, but, I mean, you can still stand six feet away. Um, but yeah, you know, it's not like you have a union for coaches that you hear about as much as like the players association. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Very fair question. Uh, I don't have a great answer for you. Colts, Mexico. Do you keep your higher risk coaches up in the booth? Is that, is that a change that you make? Um, I mean, this is on the list of things to worry about. I, it's probably not as high as we should maybe put it. Um, yeah, those are some of my thoughts to it. I mean, the biggest thing is obviously getting on planes. Now, for what it's worth, you know, when I used to travel, I think it used to be 
players would get on in the back of the plane. They'd sit in the back. Coaches would then get on the front, and staff members, they'd sit in the front, and you'd never interact. Now, you know, things can pass a little bit more via plane, obviously. I'm right. not an idiot. The Miami Marlins are probably an example of that. But, um, yeah, well, those are some of my general thoughts on it. From Carter, uh, he saw the video of Kamoko Turi on the Colts' Instagram page, and his first thoughts was this has to be fast-forwarded. He knows it wasn't, but it looked really good. What is a realistic stat line for the 2020 seasons for Ture that includes sacks, hurries, tackles for losses, and games played? I might have missed the Instagram. Was it? Do you know if it was like him and Robert Mathis training? I saw him and Robert doing a lot of hand work like this hand, week. Like yeah. hand fighting and, stuff. And it is quick. It's one of those where it's like, how do you even – they obviously know what they're doing, but yeah. he was, they were moving very fast. Right, exactly. Yeah, I'm just trying to carry all the bags of groceries in from the car on one <laughs> trip. That's all I care about with the hand fighting. Um. I think the last part of that question is the most important. What is a realistic stat line for the 2020 season for Ture, including sacks, hurries, TFLs, and games played? Yeah, I mean, it it all comes out of the last part. I think if he's on the field, he's going to produce, and probably more so in the sacks and hurries. The tackles for loss, it's kind of a, it's more of an early down run stat. You know, making plays in the backfield than it is a, outright pass rushing stat mm-hmm. because you know I'm curious like what those waves they always talk about playing in waves up front a lot of rotating is Terry gonna have the opportunity for a lot of tackles for loss that's fair yeah yeah I, I think but sacks and hurries are real so I'll always have the you know he battled the weight issue as a rookie he had the neck thing like if you handed Frank Reich Hell, if you handed Frank Reich, we'll play 13 games this year. He might say yes right now. If you handed Frank Reich a Kamoko Terry's going to play 13 games for you, I think you sign it. I think you sign it right now. And if he plays 13 games, I'm going to say, boy, eight and a half sacks. That might be a hair high on the over-under. I think that's fair. And the hurries, you'd probably double. You'd probably double those sacks. TFLs, again, I'm not as high on that, but still. Um, there's probably not a more intriguing player gauging fans' interest than Turay this season. And that's what I was saying going back to the beginning of the podcast. Like In terms of my excitement for the defense, there's some questions that if they get answered a certain way, I'm going to be through the roof excited. Yeah. And there's like there's positions that every fan base falls in love with. Mm-hmm. Like, we adore the punter in this town. We adore the quarterback, obviously. We have an affinity for pass rushers because of Dwight and, and, and Robert. So getting to that next one and it not being Bjorn Werner, yeah, that's the goal. From Scotty this week and Kevin, we're going to kind of probably break this down because I'm not necessarily sure what Scotty is asking here. Yeah. He's, of course, a Colts fan, but he's also a Twins fan. Welcome back, baseball. Twins oh, looking really good out of the gate. Right. Does Who's, Joe Maurer still play for the Twins? He does not. Yeah, that's about. Yeah, that's about all I got. Kirby Puckett, and yeah, that's about all I got there, Scotty. Um, Who's got a better chance to win it all, Colts or Twins? Uh, The next question: If you had to pick for Rosie, greatest MLB player or LPGA player in history, which would you choose? Wow, jeez. Okay, all right. Let's start with the first: Colts or Twins winning winning it all? Mm -hmm. I know nothing about the Twins. Nothing. The Twins. What should I know? They picked up Josh Donaldson oh, he's on the good. hot corner. 
Nelson Cruz has been mashing the ball. A lot of young talent. Nelson Cruz. Solid pitching squad. They were probably in power rankings. If I had to guess, I'd have to remember back to it. Top five in Major League Baseball this year. Oh, wow. So they're going to be good. Yeah. Okay. So they are, like, probably expect to be a little bit better than the Colts would be in the NFL? Yes. Um... Well, I, I mean, 16 teams make the playoffs in Major League Baseball, which I think is outrageous, and this is me just bitching about that. I mean, that's like you literally have the Bears would have made the playoffs last year in the NFL. The, the Broncos, would we would have Drew Locke or whoever the hell their quarterback was at the end of the season in the in the playoffs. Like, come it's, on. It's like basketball to the sense that you just have to be at a little bit more above average of the rest of your side of the AL or NL. Right, that's it. Like, and then yeah. if you get hot, I mean, baseballs that's how the Nationals won last year. That's like how I've lived my life, being a perfectly average male human being, <laughs> and I'm satisfied with it so far. So, um, yeah, I mean, the Twins, it seems like they're going to be in the playoffs. Yes. The Colts, I think you hope, but it's not as much of a guarantee. Granted, the NFL is expanding the playoffs. Um, okay, I'll go with Twins, and then best Major League Baseball player of all time, I think is Willie Mays. Best LPGA golfer of all time. I, in my 30 years, I'll be 31 in two months. I've never been asked this question in the history of me being on earth. Annika Sorenstein. Yeah. Is that the only person you know that's played on the LPGA Tour? Or no, no, like Michelle. Like the Michelle the Weed. big ones. But if, if you, Lorena Ochoa could have been. If you got the opportunity to play at the Masters or in conversation, then I would Imagine you're the greatest woman's golfer of all time. Soren Sam's damn good. Damn, and probably retire too early for a lot of people's sake. But, uh, Scotty, wild question. <laughs> wild. Uh, this week from Trenton, the Colts have, in his opinion, the strongest roster from 1 to 53, but lack the top-end star talent that the other teams do. However, with the unpredictability this season with COVID, where you will see teams lose some star players four weeks at a time, could that possibly give the Colts an edge in some games this season? Yeah. Um, who was this? Was this Trenton? Yes, it was. Yeah, I think that's an interesting way to look at it. Um, I, I guess that makes sense. You know, I, I to be honest with you, I haven't given that like too much thought. Um. Yeah, I mean, like if you lose your star player, it just got really dark outside. Yeah, man. <laughs> gosh. <laughs> Great. This would be awesome. Um, you know, it's something to the effect of like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I guess Trent's right. You know, losing your star players would be like Houston. If Houston loses Watt and Watson, that's a huge blow. If the Colts lose Rivers and Buckner, yeah, it's a big blow, but do they have the run game to kind of, I don't know, make up for it if it would be Colts and Texans that week? I, that's one way to look at it. Um, so yeah, that is, uh, that's a fair way, Trenton. And, and I guess I probably need to take a closer look at just where does the Colts depth compared to everyone else in the league? Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty good. I, I do. do. Um, it's going to be, man, this is going to be weird. This is going to be fascinating. 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 Well, speaking of fascinating, we got a great question from Stan. One that made me laugh. I actually shared it with some coworkers before coming on here. Uh, he says, I know that it is far, far too early to ask you to react to the 2021 quarterbacks, but it, but to simplify things. If you couldn't get Andrew Luck Pepsi, which he thinks is Trevor Lawrence, 
Would you rather get Diet Deshaun Watson, Justin Fields, or Andrew Luck Zero, Trey Lance? Look at this. How creative is this? Read those all. And I, I'm not a very um, um, soda, pop, whatever people call it. I, I, I really don't drink them at all. But rattle those off again, okay? So he's comparing Andrew Luck, Pepsi, to Trevor Lawrence. So Pepsi's obviously high on okay. Stan's list of carbonated yeah. beverages. Yeah. Diet Deshaun Watson, who would be Justin Fields. Gotcha. Or Andrew Luck, zero, Trey Lance. Wow. That's interesting. Trey Lance, I assume our listeners are diehard enough. They probably heard the name. He's North Dakota State quarterback that people are obsessed with right now. I uh, didn't throw an interception last year in college football. Chris, I don't care if you're playing at Hanover. That's a notable stat. Yep. Like, oh, yeah. How do you not just have one? Uh, <laughs> this is wild. Why do you think Trevor Lawrence is impossible to get? Isn't he going one overall? Like, he's going to be number assume, one pick. yeah. The Colts are not going to be that bad. God, if they are, ugh. and then they're not going to be able to trade up for that. So I, I don't, I can't go there. Um, I probably like the Andrew Luck zero Trey Lance. I, oh boy, big hiccup. Based like, on how our offense is built already, with Fields coming in, that's a good way to look at it. Um, I like running quarterbacks. I like quarterbacks that can make some things happen with their feet. I don't know if I like them. Deshaun Watson has got no fear with his body. Mm-mm. No fear, which is so commendable, so respectable. But I'm just kind of like, oh, man. Jeez, is that guy going to make it? Six, who's their backup, A.J. McCarron? I mean, like, you know, that's kind of the feeling I have when I watch the Texans. I don't – I mean, I watched Justin Fields a decent amount last year. I don't think I have the same sort. I don't think he runs that that much. He doesn't. He gets portrayed as a mobile quarterback, I think, just because he's a black athlete. But right. he's he's actually is a very good pocket passer. And going back to your interception comment, I think until one of the later games, and I could check, he didn't have an interception thrown either. Fields. Yeah. Which is and damn impressive. For playing in the Big, big Ten. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I guess Lance is kind of more of your pro system and, and Carson Wentz and – Easton Stick, I think, is the other North Dakota State quarterback in the league, like that sort of thing. Lance is intriguing. I, I'm all about intriguing. I'm all about curious. I need to watch North Dakota State, whatever conference you're in. Please play football this year. Let's get Notre Dame and North Dakota State to play a game. They're in an area of the country that's pretty socially distant. They you're should right. be all right. You're right. I think they're in Butler. They've played Butler. I'm pretty sure they're in Butler's conference. Really? Yeah. Almost pot, which I saw something come across my timeline today. Um, who would have tweeted about that? Probably Rakestraw. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a good guess. About Butler football. Let me see if I can find this. Okay. Um, nah, it wasn't him. Um, that's shocking to me. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. I'd like to see it happen. All right. Well, Stan's question wraps up this week's Twitter questions for the podcast. Love it. Thank you, Stan. Appreciate that. Good to have you back. Um, shorter pod this week. Uh, like I said... We should hear from Chris Ballard at some point this week. I think maybe Friday is the is the um, thought process. Maybe on a Friday pod. That's a strong maybe. Um, we'll see. But if not, or early next week to come back and kind of go over what Ballard had to say. And um, we'll start to get into some Zoom-type stuff with the Colts here. Um, start next week. Love it. All right, man. He's Chris Presley. Cheeks in studio as well. I'm Kevin Bowen. Appreciate you all for listening to this session of Kevin's Corner. Uh, if you have any questions, you know where to find me. 
Don't hesitate to reach out. And uh, everybody have a great week. And uh, we'll be back at some point with another edition of Kevin's Corner.